In the book of John, chapter number four, if you would please. And the narration goes something like this. Jesus and his disciples came to a well known as Jacob's well. And when they arrived at the well, the disciples decided they were hungry. They dismissed themselves and went to in the city to get something to eat. And Jesus stayed there by the well. It's an unusual time of the day, about noon. And it's not when women usually come to the well. But this lady's character and her testimony was so dark and so dreaded and so ugly that she came to the well when the other women were not there. And she made herself to the well and Jesus saw her and he said, give me drink. And she said, why would you a Jew ask of me a Samaritan water to drink? And Jesus said, I have water to drink that you know not of. She said, how can you give me drink when you have no bucket and the well is deep? And Jesus said, you are mistaken about the water, the water that I will give you. If you drink it, you'll never thirst again. And the water that I give you will be a living well springing up within your belly. And Jesus said to her, I'll give you to drink and you will never, never thirst again. She said, give me to drink. And Jesus told her who he was, that he was the Messiah and he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And she was so thrilled that she had met the Messiah, that she had met the Savior and she had been saved. And the Bible says in verse 30, then the Bible says in verse 27, the disciples came and he talked with a woman, yet no man asked him, what seekest thou? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. I wonder why she didn't go to the women's sewing circle. And she said to the men, she must have been quite well known in the community. You see, she was a working girl. A career lady, if you please. And she went to the city and said to the men. Verse number 39 And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. For just about that long, I would like to ask you, who are you influencing in eternal way? That you know. All of us have a sphere of influence. And those folks that we have influence with. 
those folks that we know and know us, we have more influence in their lives. This lady had the testimony of a sinner. Notice verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto the ass, Well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. Now this must have been a pretty good looking lady. She had done captured six. Some of ladies I know are having a job trying to find one. So she must have been a looker. Either that or there's some awful dumb men in Samaria. Come on now. You guys said, I never worried about looks. You are a liar. (laughs) And a big liar at that. Oh, I just fell in love with her for all of her inward qualities. Name one. (laughs) Most of us have no idea of the inward qualities of our mates, even though we've been married a hundred years. And she's still trying to get you to recognize that she has inward qualities. <laughs> this lady was an unlikely person, a woman of the world, a harlot, if you please. Fornication was written above her lifestyle. She was an adulteress, if you please. A lady of the night. A lady that uh, had done some horrible and terrible things. And yet, when she met the Savior. Now get this. When she met the Savior, things changed. Things changed. She went to the city looking for the men, but not for the same reason. She had influence with the men that she had been companion with and she went to the city to influence the folks that she knew a very unlikely person if you please preacher look at me I don't know anybody I don't know anything I don't know any scripture I don't know how many books in the Bible I don't even know if Jonah was in the well or Noah was in the well it don't make any difference if you know somebody tell them what happened to you Just tell them we're having an anniversary service. Just tell them uh, that you'll feed them after the service. You say, I ain't got any money. Well, you've lied before. (laughs) Just somebody. You say, preacher, I'm the most unlikely person in the world to bring somebody to church. So was she. I'm the most unlikely person to be used of God. So was she. I am just about the most unlikely person in the world. But if you looked in the valley yonder and seen little bitty David with a slingshot and Goliath with his sword and his shield, you would say, David, you're in for it. 
Wrong. Goliath, you're fixing to get a headache. Most unlikely person. You remember that idiot that run up here with that quarter? You remember that idiot that ran up here with that quarter? I was waiting on a kid. And finally he came up. That's Dr. Amos Taylor. That great big tall guy that was in charge of children's church. That idiot brought the principal of Joshua Christian Academy on a bus route because they knew each other in school. Influence. Influence. The most unlikely person. She was a woman of the world. Had no Bible training. Never been to Sunday school. And said, come see a man. If you don't come see the man, I'm telling your wife. (laughs) Influence. Compel them. That's what Jesus said. Compel them. You remember. (laughs) Let me get my little black book. Uh, There your name is. Who'd you say you want me to see? (laughs) What time does church start? (laughs) Come on now. Say amen. The most unlikely person. And you might be that person that God could never use me. Why don't you just let him try? The most unlikely person, if you please. Notice, if you would please. It was Gideon. But God did not use the 30,000, the 3,000. God used the 300. If you remember correctly, Paul was a persecutor. But then he became the most powerful preacher in the word of God. The most unlikely person, me. Just unlikely. When I was a young man, I was so bashful, I'd have to slip up on the mirror to comb my hair. When I was 16, I was five foot and a half inch tall. Kinky haired, skinny Pimples all over my face. I could stand sideways, stick my tongue out, and I looked like a zipper. <laughs> Nobody had ever told me I ever done anything right. My daddy had never said, Gene, that's a good job. Because of my antics, one reason we moved from Tennessee to California is because the folks in the FFA place didn't like us painting their hog. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing when folk come to school and all the toilets had been turned over. The most unlikely. When I graduated from school, I couldn't spell valedictorian. So I hired one. My daddy said, you don't need no brains if you can buy them. 
Most unlikely. And then God called me to preach. I'm still petrified every time I get before people. And if God doesn't help me, it'll be a king-size mistake. Most unlikely. Are you here tonight? We have a young man that's here tonight. He's a turncoat. He's a Benedict Arnold. Stand up, James. Where are you at? He just graduated from Bible college. Wave at me, James. We're so proud of you. He's a bus kid. If I'm not mistaken, I think he rode the bus when Brian Archer and Mary Bernie was working a bus route in that area. Just somebody willing to be influencing somebody else. Sit down, James. That's enough, man. (laughs) James is a preacher in his own right. James has had no encouragement from anybody except this church. And left from high school and went to California. We helped him just a little bit till he learned how to handle his money. James had never handled money. He'd never handled credit. He'd never had a job. And just for a little while, we helped James. And then after that, James worked two and three jobs to pay his way through Bible college. Now it's up to James to influence somebody else. The most unlikely person. Yes, she was. Sometimes we feel that way about us. Ah, they won't listen. They listened to her. She showed them the book. (laughs) I wish I'd have thought of that before. Now notice, an unlikely person with an unquestionable passion. Let me show you. I'm going to close. Verse 28. Kazuntai. I don't know why people say that. Uh, I don't know why when people sneeze, this has nothing to do with the outline. They say, bless you. If I'm still alive after I'm sneezed, God has blessed me. (laughs) Do you know when the closest you ever come to dying is when you sneeze? Don't do it again, Mary. You might not work the third time. But notice this woman, if you please, a lady of questionable character, the most unlikely, if you please, the most unlikely person to influence anyone in a positive way for Christ. And uh, there was an unquestionable passion. The Bible says in verse 28 that the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, everything else. After she met the Savior, became secondary. 
what she was doing of her, of her physical necessities after she had met the Savior, what was always folly to her before now has become a fact of faith and she's passionately going to the city saying, I know somebody you need to meet. I know somebody that can take care of your need. I know somebody that'll heal your hurt. You may be that unlikely person, but you, you get plugged into the right person and what was important to you yesterday will not be important today. Her care and compassion tugged on her heart strings until she went to town and invited the men that she knew. Not only that, but an unusual proposition. From every time they saw her before, there was a proposition, I'm sure. But this time, she has a different proposition. She walked up to the men that she had the address in her book. And it was not to sin or commit fornication or adultery. Come see a man that told me all things. Concerning myself, is not this the Christ? Let me come. Come with me. My heart, come with me. My heart is broken for your spiritual situation. He that soweth in tears shall come with rejoicing, bringing his sheep with him. And she came with an unusual proposition. On our anniversary, would you be that person? Who will talk to those you know. Family. Friends. Acquaintances. And would you present them a proposition. That they cannot resist. Would you ask God to stir the passion in your heart. For eternal things. Would you ask God to set your soul on fire. For the salvation of somebody else. Would you ask God to be that instrument that might just salvage a relationship or a home? Would you be that questionable person and present an unusual proposition? How many folks, I'm done, it's seven o'clock, eight o'clock. They're probably about in the fourth inning. Probably behind about six to one. <laughs> and has already pre- pitched four pitchers. <clears throat> I must hurry. They might call me next. <clears throat> Did it hurt? <laughs> now I forgot where I was. How many... Before you were married, ever ask a friend of yours, let's go have a Coke or a drink. Not alcohol drink, just soda. Raise your hand. 
Keep them up. How many ever ask? Keep them up. How many of you ever ask a woman, will you marry me? Hold them up. How many of you regret it? No. <laughs> Come on. How many of you ever said, let's go to Walmart? Come on, kids. Some of you kids live in Walmart. If I looked on your license, it would say Walmart USA. Right. You mean you've asked people to go with you? Everywhere, including marriage. You remember how you did it? I didn't say why you did it. That's how you invite folk to come with you and listen concerning the man that's told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? With you and your sphere of influence. This building will not hold them on June the 2nd. And I promise you, I will magnify the man. I will exalt the Savior. I will belittle sin, but I would exalt the Savior. And those you have influence with just might. That day, receive the Savior. Wow. Lastly, an unusual, an unusual, if you please, procession. I was preaching a meeting years ago. I wish I'd have kept a diary. Of the 12 and a half years that I was in evangelism without a credit card. The first time I left for three months in evangelism, I left with $20. Before I left town, I went back and gave that $20 to my family. And I left for three months with no money at all. No credit cards. Nada. But when I was in evangelism, I had a meeting in the Denham Road Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I don't know how this happened But the first night of the meeting, I preached, and a most unusual-looking young man walked down the aisle, knelt at the altar, and began to weep and cry, and begged God to save his soul. He stood up, 
and asked to talk to me, the evangelist, after the meeting. And I talked to him, and he said to me, Preacher, I'm a pimp. Can I bring my girls tomorrow night? (laughs) What a procession. (laughs) Needless to say, the ladies of the church did not appreciate the attire of the working ladies of town. (laughs) I thought I was going to split that church. Those girls kept coming and keep getting saved. And when they prayed, I prayed. Please, nobody look. Second night, all the men were sitting on the front pew. The people got mad. Those girls began to get saved. And about every night, one or two would walk down the aisle and get saved. And the the fellow who got saved, he'd go get a different crop the next night. And all week long, all week long, night after night, people would get saved. Strode across, across the front of that church. You talk about a parade. You talk about a procession. Must have reminded us of the lady in John 4. Who came to Jesus and said, how can you give me drink when you have no bucket and the well is deep? Jesus said, if you knew the water that I spake of, you would ask me drink and it would be a living well. Boiling up. Not a stagnated dry pond, but living waters that continually stirred your soul. And she said, Give me drink. And God gave her drink. And she's never the same since. Now she didn't go to the ladies' sewing circle and say, Would you come to church? Because she had no influence on that crowd she didn't go to the professional ladies meeting and invite them to come because her sphere of influence was not there she had to go to those people whom she could influence to come that's how you build a church that's how you get people saved It's you influencing somebody that you have influence with. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you be one of 200 next Saturday? He said, well, preacher, I'm most unlikely. God has called the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Not many mighty are called. Not many great. God don't need great people. He just needs willing people. Amen. Amen. But you'd be one of 200 to use your sphere of influence to be a blessing to somebody that you know.